Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. So welcome to Life in the Sun. In behalf of Pastor Mark, welcome. As I said, my name is Armin, and I will be delivering the message today. I'm one of the leaders of this church. In fact, since I started there, let me just give my testimony, because it kind of has a relationship with the faith. Because we, we, we start in faith, we have to continue to live in faith, and our eternity would always be in faith. I was saved, or I came to the Lord. I started coming to just not this location, but this church back in 1996. Then my sister has to correct me, because uh, the last time I said I was saved in 1999, I said, no, you were saved in 97. It was February. It was a Tuesday night. She knew it, <laughs> because she's been praying for me, okay? She was praying for me. That's why she knew exactly the day that I was uh, that I was uh, saved, he said. So it was 1997, not 99. The last time I said it was 99. So I apologize for the, for the incorrect information, but my historian corrected me. <laughs> but the way I got saved was back in the Hilton Hotel. There was a, a big move of God in the 90s at Brownsville in Florida. But the group came to Hilton, and they, they did some meeting. So, you know, I attended. I've, I've been coming to the church for about a year, attended the meeting. You know, I don't, don't understand or don't really remember the whole detail, but I was, you know, just like earlier, come to the altar. If you have any prayers, come. So I, I lined up behind somebody, and all of a sudden, I, the next thing I know, I was on the floor speaking in a, in a, coming out of my mouth that I don't even know what it was. Then later on, I found out that's called being slain in the spirit, and it's speaking in tongues. So I said, and ever since then, I'm still part of this church, Okay. I've gone through rough times, I've, uh, I've, uh, but I'm still here, okay? I think that the, the greatest uh, experience or the greatest uh, point that or experience that I can get from that is that was the first time that I ever heard what the voice of God sounds like. And ever since then, that has been my mark. That has always been how I would know that it's from God because that was my first experience of how God is. And that really has sustained me this 20 years of, uh, of my life. I mean, my life is uh, how we wish that life is easy, don't we not? How we wish that all the promises that, the, all, as we read the Bible, we read all the promises of God, and they are good promises. But there are some reminders in the Bible that also we, we, we have to consider. Like when, when Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, James even talks about to consider it pure joy when we go to many trials. I said, really, that's in the Bible? <laughs> when I was first reading it, oh, come on, how can you do that? But the thing is, that's part of life. Though we are saved from the world, we still live in a fallen world. And, and everybody can agree with that. You're touched by sickness. You're touched by danger. You're touched by trouble, misfortune, you name it. If you're living on this earth and you're not living under a rock, then you know what it means to live in the world, correct? You experience those things. Those are hard times. And, and, and the early church is no different. The early church experienced the same thing. And what, was, what makes it worse for the very first church was that the persecution that they were facing come from their very own people. The story of Apostle Paul, how he became a believer, was that it. He was the one persecuting the church. He was the one going to synagogues, pulling out believers, pulling out people who are believing this man, Jesus Christ, and which they called the way. And he was the one putting them into jail, putting them into the stake, killing them to that point. 
But yet, when God changed that man, we now have a Bible that the New Testament, most of it is written by the same man. And God used that man so profoundly that he even has scriptures that he has to say, I have seen things from the heavens. I don't know if I was awake. I don't know if I was in heaven. And there are even mysteries that I cannot even explain and I'm not even allowed to explain. So that's, that's the part of the Christian life. So today, starting today, we're going we're gonna to head into the series called Great Faith. And if you uh, join with us in our prayer and fasting, you've probably been seeing this. You've been uh, flashing this. You've heard the... Uh, uh, the little uh, bumper videos that they would show every beginning of the night. And you've probably uh, come across uh, some of the characters where they uh, were men and women of the faith. It's like great faith. They did great things for God. And sometimes, I just, uh, as I was meditating on this, I kind of sense like sometimes when we speak a message of faith, instead of encouraging people to have more faith, it brings discouragement to people. Because we always pull out the hall of faith. We pull out Hebrews 11 of men and women who did great things of faith. And then we look at ourselves as like, oh my goodness, how can I even measure up to them? And that's why sometimes it brings discouragement. It, instead of being encouraged, it brings discouragement. And, and I think that's what I was praying for. Uh, one of the things that I'm praying for uh, throughout the week is that, Lord, let this message bring forth encouragement. Let it really bring faith instead of discouraging people that, hey, look at your faith. Hey, look at their faith. So I hope that, uh, that uh, this uh, series would encourage us to actually grow in faith, to, to, to go up in faith, and not to be discouraged. Amen? So let's just begin by prayer. Just one more time, let us pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're going to do today. Thank you for the words that you have given to me. And Father, thank you that, the, that our people, Father, will open their ears, open their hearts. And Father, see you as a good God, that everything that you want for us, Father, is for our good and our for benefit, Father. So Lord, open your way, Father, through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we're going to talk about faith, we cannot, we cannot talk or just leave behind Hebrews 11.1, 1, okay? Those of you who are already familiar with your Bible, Hebrews 11.1 1 is what? The great faith chapter. Let's go ahead and put that up. So what is faith to begin with? What is faith, okay? Faith is one of the words in the Bible that is actually described or uh, given a meaning, okay? Another one is the word rest. You find this in the Old Testament. But what's interesting, I never really bothered with it until we started uh, doing this. It's like, yeah, why is it? Why would... The writer or the Holy Spirit actually give a meaning or describe what faith is. There probably is something about it. So I, I, my, my thought was that so that there would be no ambiguity about it. This is what faith is. Okay? So it, so it would be clear to everybody this is what faith is. That's not faith. That's not faith. This is faith. That's, that's my point. I think that's, the, that's what I was getting at. So what is faith? Like I said earlier, we need faith. Okay? So what is faith? Go ahead and put up uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Coming from, uh, this is supposed to be NIB, but I think this is a newer version of NIB. But it says here, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The older NIB says this, uh, from my, uh, I remember the older, older NIB is, now faith is being sure of what we hope for 
and being certain of what we do not see. That's the, that's the verse that I remember from the NIV. Uh, I don't know, this is probably the newer NIV, okay? But so, faith has something to do with a confidence and hope. So faith and hope is always connected, or it's closely related, or closely, what, connected. It has to do with having a sure thing about what you're hoping for. Now, what is hope? Hope, the way the hope would be described in the world would be something that you want, something that you desire. People will probably say, you know what, it's raining today. Oh, man, I hope, it, uh, I hope it's sunny tomorrow. If you're from Guam, all you have to say, I hope after 15 minutes that stops. That's how it is here. If it's raining, you don't like the weather, wait for 15, 20 minutes, and it will pass away. But sometimes that's how hope is. Uh, I'll give you a bad example of what hope is. <laughs> bad example. I know some, I know some people who, who's into cockfighting. You know what cockfighting is? The one that uh, that's, they're trying to ban in Guam? You know that? The cockfighting, the roosters fighting? I, have, I know people who are into cockfighting, so they raise rooster. So in their conversation, and I, and I smile sometimes when they're having their conversation, one, one guy, I heard this one guy said, oh, to, so that your rooster will always win, he would say, you got to ra race it the right way. And when there's a full moon, you take it out, you take it, uh, give it a bat, and for sure, your rooster will always win. See, that's hope based on what? Really nothing. And then another guy would come. <laughs> See, he's hoping that his rooster will win, but based on what? So the other guy goes, if that's true, another, another guy who also uh, raises rooster, if that's true, then we should all be winners because we would all be doing it. But it's not, see? And sometimes that's the way people see hope. They hope with really no foundation. They hope based on, I don't know, the alignment of the, the, the moon, the alignment of the stars, the sun, the weather outside, the, the sunset today is uh, red, green, whatever color. Oh, it's going to be like this side. Sometimes, that's, uh, sometimes people put hope on that. But the way the biblical hope is, it's not that way. Biblical hope is this. It is a confident expectation that what God said he would do, he would do. That's what biblical hope is. So therefore, hope is based on the very word that God has spoken. Do you get me? Hope, biblical hope is based upon the spoken word of God. It's having a confident expectation that what God said he would do, he would do. So that's why faith it's having a confidence in your hope. So it's almost like saying it this way. We, we're saying it that faith is having a confident expectation or having a sure thing that when God says the word, he would do it. That's what faith really is. The way faith is uh, described is that way. Amen? Is it good? And that's why we have a better chance against people who just hope on it. It's like this way. Uh, this, God has been uh, telling me this, or God has been showing me this. Sometimes we can have a wrong idea of faith because uh, some describe faith as believe. Like the world would say, uh, how do you call this? You can do, uh, as long as you believe, you can do anything. Isn't it? You probably, especially athletes now. Athletes. Athletes. Okay? It's like, as long as you believe, you can do anything. But, of course, that's not necessarily 100% true. 
there are still laws that governs the universe, okay? Say, for example, I cannot just merely believe that, oh, if I climb up the, if I climb up the roof and I jump off, I really believe that if, any, if I believe it will happen, that I will not hurt myself. See that? I can honestly believe that, okay? But of course, that would be what? Uh, foolishness. Okay, because there are still things that, uh, that are bound under the law of nature, which is gravity. But yet, sometimes that's what uh, the misconception of faith is, as long as you believe it. Okay, but faith, is, but faith is based upon the spoken word of God. And that's having, or that knowing that what God says, he will do it. Amen? So it's not just believing. Can you put up that, uh, that verse, please? Faith is more than believing. Uh, I think it's the uh, fourth one, Sean. There you go. Faith is more than believing. Because if faith is just believing, then go ahead and show James chapter 2, verse 16. Then we are no different from this. You believe there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and they tremble. Okay? It's not just about believing, and sometimes we're caught up, oh, as long as you believe, it's okay. You can honestly believe something, but you can still be honestly wrong, okay? The great thing with us being having the Bible is we already, we have, we may not know all of it, but we have the spoken word of God, we have the written word of God, and sometimes, uh, so, so now, having said that, so how then faith comes? Now you can show that other verse. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you're, if you're here today and one of your goals for this year, 2019, is, Lord, I want to grow more in you. I want to have more faith in you. You know what the solution is that is? Right here. There it is. It says faith comes by hearing or by reading. Okay? You hear when I speak, but really all I do is just open the Bible and I just read what the Bible says. Okay, that's all I do. That's all I do most of the time. I just open the Bible and I just read what the Bible says. Okay, it just so happened that by the grace of God, I get insights. That's all it was. But if, you, if you're here today and one of your goals for 2019 is, Lord, I want to grow in faith. I want to know you more. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So going back to what hope is, hope is having the uh, good expectation that what God said he would do, he would do. So now, you just got to look for the things that God has already said. And that's why a lot of times where the doubt comes, it's really because we're not sure, did God really say it? Is it really in the Bible? I remember growing up as a believer, uh, one of the guys that uh, kind of uh, harassed me, mentored me, <laughs> harassed me, <laughs> Uh, some of those uh, discipleship times are actually just uh, uh, building, a uh, building a character. But I remember he would always say, uh, whenever I have questions, he would always ask me, well, is it in the Bible? That's all. I have a question, and he would ask me, well, is it in the Bible? As simple as that. That's, all, that's kind of how I grew up in the faith. It's like, is it in the Bible? You have a question about life because now you started in faith? The, to continue on in faith, he would always say, is it in the Bible? Amen? So, now going, uh, another thing. What's interesting about this uh, 
topic about great faith is there are two instances in the Bible that Jesus actually quoted or said, commended to person with great faith. Interestingly, they were not even the disciples. They were actually, uh, one was a uh, soldier and another one was a Canaanite woman, non-Jewish. But yet, of course, the Hall of Faith, we know uh, these, are, these are the men and women who exemplify great faith. And, and it seems like uh, the Lord was just really pinpointing it to me. It's like, so how do we grow in great faith? How do we grow in faith? And, and what he pointed out was the story of Peter. Peter, I don't know if you're familiar with the story. I didn't get a chance to put this up, so uh, let me just read it. In John chapter, or not John, Matthew chapter 14, the disciples went ahead on the boat. They got stuck in the middle of the lake. Jesus came, uh, followed uh, after, but Jesus was not on the boat, but instead Jesus was walking on water. So then, of course, the storm came, and then all of a sudden uh, uh, the disciples were, uh, were in the middle, of the, the middle of the sea. So coming from Matthew chapter 14, verse uh, 27, all of a sudden, they see like a ghost. And it really, it was who? It was Jesus. So when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Of all places to get the idea of great faith, it's on the place where Jesus said, Oh, you of little faith. Okay. Now, anybody here have walked on water before? Okay, we're, we're in good standing there. None of us has walked on water. If you think about it, it's like, well, Peter walked on water. There has not been any other man in the, world, in the history of uh, the world that has walked in water, okay? Now, of course, the movies are not included, okay? <laughs> movies are not included, okay? Never has there been a man that walked in water, but yet Jesus said, when he started thinking of you of little faith. I thought, man, this man walked in water. How can Jesus really say, oh, you of little faith? But this is Jesus, of course. Okay, so you of little faith. So let's pull back faith. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and let me show you um, what I got from this. Now, faith is the confidence of what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Hope, as I said, is that expectation that when God says a word, he would do it. Correct? What was the one word that Jesus said to Peter? Come. Come. One single word made a difference. From you climbing up on the, climbing up on the rooftop and jumping and Peter walking on water. Both has to do with the, the natural elements and the law of nature. But one single word made a difference. The word come. Why? Because God already gave him an instruction. Come. God never said, watch out for the waves, Peter. Watch out for the water, Peter. Watch out, the wind is going to come to you and hit you. No, one word Jesus said, come. 
And now I fully understand why, G, why, why Yahweh, the God of Israel, was so upset at them when he said, go take the land. I, now I understand it. Because over and over, they did not believe God for the word that he already said. God already promised it to them. That I have given you a land flowing with milk and honey. But yet, you know, the first, the, of course, they doubted in the desert. But another thing that really, I think, I believe upset God is when they sent the spies. You might not know this, but the spies that was sent there was not God's idea. It was not God's idea for the spies to, to be sent to the promised land. God already knows what the promised land looks like. They did not. They wanted to check it out just to encourage them, supposedly. But instead of bringing encouragement to them, what did it do? It put fear in them because they saw the giants. God never said to them when they, when they told, go to the promised land, take the land. God never said, but watch out for the giants. Because I have placed them so they can build your house. But watch out for them. No, he just said, go, I have given you a land. Take the land because I have given it to you. To Peter, all Jesus said to him was that, come, church. So if God tells you to come, great faith really is just follow exactly what the word just said. That's all. I know it's going to be difficult because the storms or the waves are there, but that's what it is. Jesus, in fact, it was Peter who actually even dared to ask, come and uh, command me to go to you. So Jesus said, come. Church, great faith comes out just simple. I, I mean, I'm so surprised. It was so simple. I said, really, Lord, that's all it is? Great faith comes just really by focusing on you and you and you alone, and that's it? Can you put up uh, Genesis chapter 26, verse 5? This is uh, Abraham. Abraham, we, uh, two series ago, we talked about the faith of Abraham, unwavering. I kind of mentioned this, but here it is. Genesis chapter 26, verse 5. This was the word that God told his son, Isaac. Okay? And I'm still amazed at this. I'm still amazed that God will tell Isaac, his son, how good his father was regarding his faith. He said, your father, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandment, my statutes, and my laws. Church, that is a legacy to itself. When you're gone, you're passed away, you're waiting for the Lord to come back, God would appear to your sons, your daughters, and tell your sons and daughters, your father, your mother, your brother, or whoever it is, he has followed my voice, he's kept my command, his charge, his everything. That's all it is. I mean, it's a great legacy to hear. Uh, of course, you won't hear it, right? We're dead. But, I mean, it's amazing. I'm still blown away by this until now, and we're already on two series ahead, and I feel like I want to come back. But, and as the Lord said, that's it. That's all you do. You want great faith? Then just do exactly what I tell you. Come. If God says to come, what do you do? You stay. No, you come. <laughs> if God tells you to go, just go. But, Lord, no, you said, Come. If he tells you to stay, and there will be times God will say to stay or rest, okay? Some of you overwork yourself. There's a, call, there's a thing called rest in him, okay? Some of us, we, we, we get uh, too, uh, I don't know, we, we put so much attention on anything and everything. If God says to go, you go. If God says to give, you give. If God says to what? To pray, you pray. But Lord, I don't know how to pray. But Lord, uh, just like, uh, you know, forget all of that. 
When God tells you to pray, that means God sees something in you that you may not have seen it yet, but, God's, but all God is asking for is whatever it is that you have. Okay, Peter, you know, uh, so, so, some, uh, you might be surprised that there are fishermen who actually don't know how to swim. Okay, because it's always amazing. How can these fishermen be afraid of the storm if their livelihood is in the ocean? I actually know of a fisherman who does not know how to swim. But he's a fisherman. It's like, really? You go out there in uh, uh, this much water and you don't know how to swim? So, yeah, so what do you do? Oh, before the high tide comes, I go back. That's it. That's, it. That's what he said. I go back when the high tide is coming. Safe. Where was I? There you go. I'm sorry. Fisherman, obey his command. Church, great faith comes by just that. Obey your command. And how do we know his command? The Bible. Can you show Billy Graham's quote, please? And we'll end with this one. This is coming from Billy Graham, okay? From his book, The Journey, Living by Faith in an Uncertain World. Church, there really is no secret formula in growing in faith, in great faith, okay? When, when you're in a place of difficulty, you're in a place of trials, the re- I, I, I've, I've been doing it for the same 20 years. That The first tool, uh, let me just read this. The first tool God has given us to strengthen our faith is the Bible. If our faith isn't rooted in the Bible, it will wither like a plant pulled out of the soil. It's all here, church. It's all in the Bible. Okay? If that's your goal for 2019, and I'm really hoping it is our goal for 2019. I mean, I do this every year. I, 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 I write things down. Lord, this is what I want to uh, do for this year. You know, spend more time with you, get to read the Bible again, all over again. Uh, more, uh, Lord, uh, allow my eyes to see more of your scripture, things like that. And, some t- uh, even, um, uh, and sometimes we also get uh, our attention focuses so much on what to do sometimes. I was planning to share it, but let me share it anyway. This is something I got, and I'll end with, uh, with this one really now. I'm going to end with this one. Um, you know, we did a prayer and fasting, and... And at the beginning of the year, I'm, I'm, typically my practice is just to really start in prayer also. just I'm, I'm sure everybody does this. Okay, you're good believers. You're good Christians. Everybody does this. Once the new year comes, we stand, spend time in prayer and we try to seek the Lord. Lord, what is it that you want us to do? Okay, Lord, what is your will for me for this year? How many of you are concerned about what the will of God is? Okay, we should be. Okay, if you're a Christian, then it should be in our heart to know the will of God. Okay, I shared this with a couple of people that let me just uh, share with you. I, I was asking the Lord, should I share it? But sometimes knowing the will of God is not easy, right? How many of you can agree? Knowing the will of God is not easy. Yes, there are general wills that's written in the Bible. For example, like one says that uh, give thanks in all circumstances. That is the will of God for you. Okay, that's a general will for living life. Okay, don't burden yourself, but be thankful at all occasions. That's, that's one way that God says, this is my will. But there are specific wills for your life, okay? Those are the, those are the, those are the instructions that you get from God that's just for you. It's, it has to, it's wrapped up for the purpose that you have for you, okay? And sometimes it's not that easy. So I was, uh, God brought back the life of David to me because uh, I, I uh, reflected on it a couple of years ago. But the, the entrance of the story of David is in 1 Samuel chapter 13, I believe. Oops, sorry, 13 or 14. It, it begins by saying, by the prophet Samuel talking to Saul, and, and prophet, the Sam, Samuel was telling Saul, 
Because you have disobeyed me, I have removed the kingdom from you, and I have given it to somebody else. So who's that somebody else? Of course, that's King David. And the way that Sam or God uh, describes David was that, I have, given it, I have given it to a man after my own heart. Okay, we're, uh, if you're into worship, that's probably one of your key verse, correct? Uh, I've given it to a man after my own heart. Now, look at, looking at the life of David, David what? Uh, one of the biggest uh, thing we know about David is he defeated Goliath. He became an, uh, a soldier in King Saul's army. He was a harpist for uh, King Saul. Of course, when finally he became a king, he reigned, for, uh, he reigned in Judah, he reigned in Israel. It was David that took Jerusalem. The reason why we have Jerusalem now is because of David. He defeated the Jebusites, and he, and he made Jerusalem to be the centerpiece of worship. And of course, David brought the priesthood back. David brought music and symbols and shouting. That's also worship, like uh, Pastor Lee Brown said. Uh, so that's what he did. And of course, the greatest thing that David did was that he wanted to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But of course, God said, no, not you. His description was, here is a man after my own heart in 1 Samuel. David ended up doing all of that, and all of those were really planted in the wills of God and in the timeline of God's. But if you read the book of Acts in chapter 13, it's a little bit different description, and it says that when Saul was removed, this is past, uh, Apostle Paul now talking, when, when Saul was removed and David was placed in as a king, it's this, he was described a little differently. He said, here is a man, uh, and God gave testimony about David, a man after God's own heart, and he will do all my will. David was never concerned about doing the will of God. All his concern was worshiping the Father, worshiping God. But he accidentally did all of that. And I say accidentally because I never, because if you read the Bible, David never put a bucket list saying, you know what, before the age of 30, I'm going to kill that giant. No. He never had a bucket list saying, by the, but before I reach 35, I'm going to be crowned king. He never had that. But yet, in the storyline of Israel, that was all the wills of God for the nation. Uh, how, and you may ask, how do I know if the, the giants were God's will to be destroyed? Because Joshua was supposed to destroy all of them. They had a remnant. So David ended up following or walking in the will of God so effortlessly and accidentally because all he did was fall in love with, the, with, with Yahweh, with God. That's all. He just... Uh, the, I mean, Goliath, the whole reason why he went and fight Goliath was not because, I, oh, today I'm going to fight Goliath. No, he was just delivering lunch plates to his brothers. That's all it is. He's, he went to Jamaican Grill, got some, uh, right? Went to Jamaican Grill, got some lunch plate, and he went to deliver it to his brother. And he heard this Philistine saying, uh, uh, mocking the name of the God. And what did he say? Out of that love for God, his heart was aroused and said, how dare you, or who is this, who is this Philistine that he should, uh, what was it, he should mock the name of the God of uh, Israel. Is there not anybody here who would defeat this man? That was the heart of David. He was so in love, he was so passionate about, the, about uh, Yahweh, about God, that when he heard mocking about his God, it aroused him to go and fight the giant. But it was never, he was not, he did not have a bucket list for it. He did not say, today I will fight the giant. 
all that his father told him, hey, go deliver the Jamaican girl to your brothers. But yet, David did exactly everything that God has willed for him because his focus was just what? Love the Father, love the God, love God. Church, if you're looking for the will of God in your life, and really, you need it. We need to know the wills of God. If you're looking for it, here's a wisdom. I believe this is a wisdom from God. Keep your eyes focused on the Father. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Keep your eyes focused and just worship. And watch, you will accidentally fall in the will of God. That's, my, that's the wisdom I give to you for 2019. Oh, it's like, I feel like, I feel old now. Amen. Let's just go ahead and close. Um, we'll just end in prayer. I trust, uh, I guess the worship team can come up and we'll just end with a song after we dismiss. But I trust that you've already had your time of uh, ministry when Elmer, uh, Elmer invited us to the altar. But if, if by chance you may not have uh, and you still want prayers at the end of the worship or at the end of the service, please approach someone. Uh, ask for prayer and we'll be here amen so while the worship team is uh, getting ready let's just pray father thank you lord thank you that that great faith simply means to just really follow everything that you have told us lord there's a prayer in the bible that says lord i believe but help my unbelief and father i believe that some of us are are feeling that way we want to believe, Lord. We want to believe. But yet in our hearts, we feel like, Lord, I have this unbelief. So let's just raise our hand. If you're feeling that way, you know, Lord, Lord, I really want to do all of this. I really want to believe you. But there's just this unbelief. Father, I just, I just thank you, oh God. I thank you, Father, for just how good you are to us. That everything that happens in our life, it's brought in, Father. The Bible even tells us in, in Romans that everything works for good, Lord. Even the things that we think are bad, they're intended for our good. So, Father, I speak that over us as a church. And, Lord, I pray for those who's crying out right now that touch their hearts. Give them that confidence to believe what you say you will do, you will do. Give them that confidence, Father. Give them, let that faith come, Father. Give them that confidence. Lord, help our unbelief. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. And Lord, we thank you for today. Thank you for what you're doing to and you've already done for these past days of 2019. But Lord, we look forward to, Father, to just continue knowing you and continue to walk, Father, in you, just as Abraham did. And Lord, thank you.